Welcome to You Need to See This, a film podcast about filling in the gaps of our collective cinematic experience. I'm Luce Tomlin Brenner, and I'm joined by my co host, Cozy, Cozy Orlin, speaking. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> In Dickie, accounted for. <laughs> Happy to have you here, Cozy. Indeed, happy to be present. Uh, Cozy and I are comedians, writers, filmmakers, and most importantly, film lovers. Each week, the two of us pick a film one of us hasn't seen and one of us has seen. Then we try to convince each other and you, dear, sweet, beautiful listener, that this movie is worth your time. We cover everything from offbeat American indies to how did you miss this blockbusters, and most importantly, we do it with no spoilers. So this is intended for you to listen to so that you can be convinced to watch this movie. Um, yeah, we hope we convince you. Yeah. Uh, this week, I should check in before we get into the film. Did you watch anything that had been previously recommended? I sure did. We got a We Saw It segment here. Ooh, all right. Let's launch We Saw It. And uh, which movie that I recommended to you did you see? Well, I, I, you know, I was, I looked through the list of all the movies that you've recommended and I realized that I was excited about one you'd recommended more recently. So I was like, I better get on this before <laughs> that excitement fades uh, and it just blends in. Uh, and so I saw Black Bear. I was like, let's check <gasps> out Black Bear. Oh my gosh. That makes me so excited. All right. Black Bear, <laughs> that was the episode we did on uh, the beginning of December last mm. two months ago now with Audrey, Audrey Plaza, new indie comedy, dark thriller. What did you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was in that mode of like, I should watch more Aubrey Plaza things because I just saw Safety Not Guaranteed. And I'm like, yeah, let's check out more of the things that I've missed out on somehow. I'm uh, and I, I, I went into it remembering all the things that you said about it and how, you know, it's it's a very, uh, it's the type of plot that's easily ruinable. So it's you talked more about like the interesting sort of concepts behind it and things and what was happening in it. And <laughs> and uh, I had a couple thoughts on it. Um, I really like the the absolute clarity of all the distinct emotional moves that all the that the that the three main people in it made. Oh, that's a really, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah, like the flirting moments and the fighting moments were all so clear. Like they were clear moves. The digs were very clear. They showed, uh, they showed like facial responses to those, but didn't last like linger too long on them. But you could tell that they registered. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I liked how clear that was. But I I am always sad when I watch a movie that involves a lot of couples fighting and the choices (laughs) that they make when they do it. They're very reflective of stubborn people who don't want to lose. And some of the other other personal choices in it also kind of bothered me. Uh, But I did see them all so clearly and the reasons for them. And that was a good thing. Yes, I totally agree with you. I'm always like, therapy would fix this. Like So much, so much necessary therapy. Oh, so I'm so silly. upset for them. I know. I was like, all these, I'm actually, I mean, this doesn't apply to Black Bear, but I've gotten, I've been having a hard time with any movie that hinges on stubborn or or like contemptuous arguments that could be solved if either party or both went to therapy. And I'm just like, this whole plot hinges on you being like kind of mentally ill. And I don't mean like, Mm. you know, largely like, (laughs) yeah, but it's (laughs) just bipolar, but like, yeah, these little (laughs) things where it's like, 
yeah, you're really self-loathing and that's not really this person's problem and you should work on that. And this movie is stupid. <laughs> yeah. Like even just like take an imp- take a couple improv classes, learn how to lose. That's it. <laughs> that's all you need to do is learn how to lose. Enjoy losing, learn from losing, and then you won't be in a constant like spouse fight. <laughs> yeah, or don't think of things as winning and losing. Maybe we're not yeah, in competition at all. <laughs> like, oh, what if in life oh. we all just like had compassion for each other and it wasn't? A oh, game? that'd be so cool. <laughs> that would be such a nice development for humanity. <laughs> well, I I agree, and I know we can't divulge too much without um, giving away the major plot. But I found oh, yeah. the conceit of the film is what soothed me about the fights. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I can understand that. I, I actually, I think that when I was watching the conceit of it, I was like, this is something that she would be a big fan of and I'm medium fan of. Okay. Like, <laughs> it hits, it's the type of thing it hits for some people and and. I for love other that people. you were watching it and you could like see why I liked it, but. Oh, you absolutely. It. Yeah. <laughs> like I, and I enjoyed the structural things in general, but I was also kind of waiting for the, another shoe to fall for, for the second part of it a lot, which I is agree. often the case with that kind of structural move. And then you eventually just kind of get into it and you're like, this is what this is you feel it and you get drawn into it on its own, which is what I eventually did. So I was happy oh, about that. Yeah, yeah. I found like a release in the conceit. Like I, it would have made me more tense um, had it gone mm. a more predictable way. I thought the unpredictable storyline made it feel more relaxing to me. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a definite and very immediate release with it. And for some reason I don't like those releases as much because I feel like I have to refine something mm. and, and I feel like you lose a lot, but it's true that there is like, there's more of a challenge in refining it. Mm. Yeah. I, think- I know exactly what you mean. You feel like you lose everything that you put in up until the point of the new information. Yeah. Even the way that they introduced the second part where they played very silly music, I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. They are destroying that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The act one shift to act two is really jarring. Yeah, it, I was like, I know this is intentional, but oh, do I hate that shift. Um, <laughs> but I think, like, most of all, I was kind of surprised that nothing in it felt inherently weird. Like, because I was thinking about those other movies. I was thinking about Mother, you know, I was thinking about um, uh, Time to End Things and all that um, mm-hmm. with its full title that I'm forgetting. So I'm thinking um, of ending things. Thank you. Oh, I was oh like, God. I know this is wrong. But yeah, it was like. It, this one felt 100% grounded 100% of the time and like really, really just like everything made sense in, in, uh, in, in the acting of it and the reality of it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I wasn't expecting that, but I think that was probably me just putting my own stuff on my expectations. Oh, sure. Well, and I was comparing it to those movies, which are a little more fantastical. This isn't really fantastical, but I did think that yeah. a lot of the, the dialogue was really heightened in a way that it would be, you know, when you're playing things back to yourself. Maybe so. I didn't notice as much. Maybe maybe I noticed in the second part, but not in the first one as much. Mm. The first stuff, maybe that's what the distinct emotional moves felt like to me. They all felt, maybe they were so heightened that they were clearer. <laughs> mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So what do you it's, think? Did you like it? Are you glad you saw it? Would you recommend it? again or where are you at with uh, it i probably wouldn't recommend it uh to people myself i don't think that i would uh, maybe i'd recommend it to certain people interesting I, th- 
I think I'd recommend it to people who who have have the space in their in their in their mind for for cool for cool things that they have to consider. Because after it, I definitely also had to like watch a couple videos and be like, "What did this mean? What did this mean?" You know, <laughs> and that is a fun thing to do. Oh, and for sure. Was, this is like my favorite thing to do after I watch a movie is I'm like, let's dig into the philosophy of this. <laughs> yeah, and I was just talking to somebody else who also felt like that, and I was like, yeah, you might actually be a, a big fan of this movie then. You might be super down. So I think I can recommend it to specific people. And the first part I could recommend to to pretty much anybody because, you know, it was well acted and it was compelling in its in its parts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. The acting is incredible. Yeah. Um, it's like, I would recommend different parts of it to different people. <laughs> so funny. Um, which to me, it doesn't work in different parts because I don't think that the two acts mean anything without the conceit. Yeah. Yeah. You might. Yeah. It's like the first act, I felt like it stood on its own, but maybe wouldn't have been enough, I suppose. I guess because for me, it does stand on its own. If you were just to watch it as like a short film, you'd be like, damn. Right. But the yeah. thing is, what you see isn't what it means. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, it's, it like the, it. yeah, it's like that higher thing of like, well, that's not really the movie or that's not really the story. So to watch it on its own is almost to watch a totally different movie. Completely, completely <laughs> Um, I like... I mean, I've had this conversation with my mom and with Isaac where like I love being challenged by movies. And I don't mean something that's just like really obtuse. There's definitely certain like Fellini films that are just not for me. And there are yeah. very like artsy, fartsy, high-minded films that I'm just like, this is slow. I can't get into it. But I do love I do love a lot of like layers and philosophy and like complicated yeah. emotions being described in like different artistic ways. Yeah, and like, like like I was saying, this one isn't inherently weird. Like everything is so grounded in all of it that it just there's no point in it where you're like, what the fuck is even happening ever? You know, it's that's just so funny because I thought that for the whole second act, I was like, this is insane. Like I. Was- <laughs> Couldn't stop thinking about the first act and like what it meant. Right. And I was looking at every single detail and I was like, why am I watching this? Like, what is, yeah, why in does relation. it exist? Yeah. yeah so why I, does this exist? Definitely. Yeah. So I know what you mean. It's not weird in the way that like I'm thinking of ending things changes, you know, the ages of all of yeah, this. Yeah. Or like the and voices and just dialogue. everything like that. Yeah. yeah. So it's not weird in that way. But I think it's weird just in the like structure. Yeah, just in its existence and structure, definitely. It so, makes you wonder a lot. <laughs> yes, it does make you wonder a lot. So I agree. I, you know, when I do the episode, I do think people need to see it because I think it's such a challenging, unique, totally fascinating original film that stands on its own. But at the same time, I agree with you. It's not for everybody. If you don't like a little bit of a puzzler or anything that's a little ambiguous, if you didn't yeah. like I'm thinking of ending things... Um, I would say, or Schenectady, New York, which I think oh, is yeah, similar. Sure. Um, if you don't like being challenged in that way, yeah, I don't think Black Bear is for you. But um, Yeah, and it also reminded me of like one cut of the dead in some ways and stuff mm, like that. Yeah, well, just like I love all the, the world of filmmaking. Is yeah, all exactly. Really oh, completely. Um, which is what made me think of Fellini because I was like I'm not really into eight and a half uh <laughs> there's a lot of arty films about making films and I'm just like ugh, whatever but right yeah 
This one really got me. I thought they yeah. nailed what it's like to be on a set. Like I Very really much loved so, all the completely. different characters. Yeah, that felt that felt so mostly like that felt very grounded in a lot of ways. I was like, yeah, I, I recognize this set. I recognize these things that are happening. I recognize like the drama of it. Cause every set I was <laughs> ever on had drama except for like one. And that was a shock to me. <laughs> I know it was the summer camp thing. <laughs> yeah. They perfectly encapsulated that, especially since oh, it was yeah. like at a cabin. <laughs> exactly. Oh, completely. Uh, well, awesome. Well, thank you for watching it. And I'm excited that you uh, mostly enjoyed it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, and I'm really excited to share with you uh, the film that we're talking about today because I'm fairly convinced that you'll like it a lot, maybe even love it. Nice. So today we're discussing 1990s, the 1990 film Trust and Cozy. You need to see this. Ooh, I've never seen this. I don't even know if I've heard of this. Amazing. Well, you know what? I actually hadn't heard of it in the world except <laughs> for the fact that I've, you know, worked at video stores for half my life. And so it's directed by Hal Hartley, who is a major indie film director, almost like the king of the modern American indie film. Uh, but he never took off and got really big the way a lot of other directors that he inspired did. So it's yeah. interesting because he's really prolific. I mean, he's made, oh my God, 20 films or more. Um, is just working consistently since like the late eighties. And, uh, so I know about him because every store I've worked at has had like a Hal Hartley section. <laughs> and yeah, that makes like, sense. Yeah, where I'm like, oh, I really, I know I have to get into Hartley. He's like this big deal in indie film and I haven't gotten into him <laughs> yet. And actually, um, my one of my best friends, Isabella O'Hare, recommended this film to me because we were talking about a script that we wanted to write together. And I was asking hmm. her like tonally what she was looking for and how she wanted to tell this story that's kind of like a dark romantic high school comedy uh and she was like oh I, I want it trust is my all-time favorite movie and I would love to sort of mimic that tone and I was like oh I've been meaning to watch it and so she inspired me to watch it a couple weeks ago and I was so fucking blown out of my socks by it because I was like <laughs> Oh, this movie is the movie that inspired all the movies I grew up liking, and I just never oh, saw it. That's like, awesome. Yeah, it's really quite something. Um, so, yeah, let's let's get into it. Um, so, like I said, it was directed and written by Hal Hartley. Uh, this was his second feature film. It is starring, and this is one of the reasons I got super into it. It is starring the most beautiful, compelling, funny, quirky, talented, singular voice of Adrienne Shelley, who is one of my favorite actresses, directors in the world, who was um, sadly murdered in 2007 uh, in a home invasion. So oh, she wow. is not with us anymore. And it's something that like makes me very sad Like every time I think about it, because she would, it's just like, what could she be giving us in the last you know, 13 years, what have we missed out on? Um, but she's the lead and she's just like incredible. And like, it made me cry at the end of the film because I just love her so much. Mm. And then, um, Martin Donovan is in it. Who's like a huge actor now. Um, 
kind of been in everything. And then Edie Falco, who we've talked oh. about before. She's the star of Outside In, which we had an episode about when we were remembering Lynn Shelton, another voice taken to us, taken from us too soon. Uh, so she was a star of that movie, but also, you know, The Sopranos. Uh, it was really interesting seeing Edie Falco in this role because she's so much herself. Like her voice is still, she's as good then as she is now. And you're like, oh, Edie Falco's always been like a genius actress. Oh, nice. That's yeah. good to say. Yeah, it's awesome to see, for real. Um, so I'll get into the plot. Uh, Trust is about the unusual romance between two young misfits wandering the same Long Island town. When Maria, played by Adrienne Shelley, a recent high school dropout, announces her unplanned pregnancy to her family, her father dies of a heart failure on the spot. Mm. (laughs) Her mother immediately evicts her from the household and her boyfriend breaks up with her. Lonely, with nowhere to go, Maria wanders her town in search of a place to stay. Along the way, she meets Matthew, a highly educated and extremely moody electronics repairman. The two begin an unusual romance built on their sense of mutual admiration and trust. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. That already sounds like something I would like. I mean, even when you were talking about... Uh, romance and misfit and misfits walking around Long Island. I'm like, oh, I know movies where people are wandering around a place and are in love. Okay, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Obviously, that's like been a plot since the beginning of time. But like, <laughs> this movie is really it, it's crazy cozy because I know you grew up watching a lot of like you know weird films of the 90s also, and like, oh yeah. This, I mean, we wouldn't have Miranda July. We wouldn't have oh. Kevin Smith. Um, and that's oh, wow. gonna that's gonna get me into my first point. So I'll just kick off our here are fi- my five oh. non spoiler reasons. Wait, or, before you do that, can I yeah. can I interject a thing? Oh yes, please interject a thing. Oh, thank you, because I've got I've got uh, a little bit more uh, in terms of initial uh, reactions. Just very oh, quickly. Of course. Yeah, I just realized um, I was like, talking about my reason. So I'll stop. I'll pause my reason. And then you please go on. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, it's such a good transition, though. I hate I hate to step on a great segue. Um, <laughs> I was looking up Martin Donovan because I was like, okay, uh, you know, is this a person I know? Should I recognize him from something? And I was recently on um, on another podcast talking about Saved. And I was like, oh, it's Pastor Skip. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pastor from Saved. I was like, "Oh, cool!" I didn't know he did a lot of other, and he was in the opposite of sex. Yeah, he's in a bunch of stuff I like. Yeah, so um, Hal Hartley, like, basically his films kicked off the careers for like Martin Donovan and Edie Falco and Adrian Shelley and a lot of other actors, you know, throughout his filmmaking. But especially everything in the early '90s, he kind of created one of those. Um, you know, tr- acting troops. He worked with the same people over and over oh, again. Yeah, absolutely. Help launch their careers. And that actually brings me to my other thing, which is uh, my Hal Hartley experience. Please. Uh, which, yeah, we, we talked uh, we talked a little bit about it um, a while ago when we were just talking about movies we could do. And that's when I brought up Henry Fool, which is a Hal Hartley movie, which... Yes. Uh, yeah, it came out in 97, and I remember as a kid being like, hell yeah, this is a really great weird indie movie. So mm-hmm. to see any other Hal Hartley movies now, I'm very excited. That's awesome. Did you know that Henry Fool is like a beginning of a trilogy? 
I learned that doing the research for it. So I still have to watch the rest of that trilogy, which is okay. crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. I know the the second one, um, I mean, they they all have uh, Parker Posey in them. Yeah. Oh, like, she's so great. The second one is like starring. It's like her story. And then the third is like her son's story. And yeah, yeah definitely. Well, then if you like that vibe of Henry Fool, then it's a very similar that like deadpan comedy vibe is throughout all of his films. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I've, some of this will be a, a light repeat. Um, so <laughs> I'll just, the first reason, like I was saying, um, oof, now I'm forgetting what I was saying. Oh, no. <laughs> what was my segue when you were like, wait, let's pause. Oh, I oh, guess yeah. just that he's inspired all of the American indie directors of the 90s. And then I would yeah. go so far to say even like the revival of the American indie in the early 2000s with like the Duplass brothers and mm. what people term mumblecore, which I hate and will not ascribe to. So, so, <laughs> subscribe to? Ascribe to. I hate that oh, phrase. No, fair. <laughs> very fair. <laughs> um, so... I was watching this and I was like, this movie is Clerks, but wow. like with a different setting and different people. Like trust is about more about like intellectuals um, who are sort of like on the fringes of society and their family doesn't get them. And then I'm like, but he took all the, the philosophy language. Like that's his whole shtick is mm -hmm. like, what if characters were just like talking in this deadpan manner about like philosophy and life and like the problems with our society, but they're, oh. reg but they're regular people. Nice. Okay. That's clerks. That's mall rats. Like that's like right. all of Kevin Smith's early work. And I was just like, wait, <laughs> what am I watching right now? It was so crazy <laughs> because I, clerks is one of my all time favorite movies. It's really ins inspirational to me. I watch it a lot and um I just couldn't believe that like I mean not that Kevin Smith I think is still like very original and singular for um his early work and his time but it's so clear that like he couldn't he wouldn't have made Clerks without trust or The Unbelievable Truth which is the first feature that Hal Hartley made in 89 mm. so like right before trust um and then I was like looking it up and like Kevin Smith loves Hal Hartley and he ah, there you go. Yeah, so he attributes him as an inspiration for Clerks. So I just thought it was like really incredible. And I know how many people out there are also Kevin Smith uh, fans of his early work. And I just want to encourage anybody who like loves that or loves a super talky two people having an intellectual conversation in sort of like a quirky place. Like that's this movie. That's, mm. this, this movie is like the father of all of those movies. Oh, that's great. Time period. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, it's wild. It's like not knowing you had a mother and then meeting your mother. You're just like, wait, what? <laughs> I come from somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. The second reason you have to see this movie, uh, the performances are really something. Like the acting is not only so good, but it's very strange. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, Hal Hartley films are really like the hallmark of them is this deadpan delivery that's almost mm -hmm. stilted. 
And uh, he's very much like a minimalist when it comes to performance. And when I was watching like interviews with him and Adrian Shelley talking about this film, they were talking about, and Martin Donovan, who just kept saying that in every scene, Hal Hartley would tell them to do less. And that that was like <laughs> his motto, do less, do less. Love it. Um, yeah. And so you get these performances that almost feel stilted, again, like Clerks. Mm-hmm. But they're great, unlike Clerks, where Kevin Smith's thing was like getting these people who are just like his friends, fellow Jersey people, non-actors, who naturally sounded stilted because they weren't actors. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is like people who are really incredible actors who are uh, performing in a stilted way. It, it gives like a similar but like different vibe and it immediately feels like you're in a parallel universe. You're like, this is our world, but like not quite. Interesting. Maybe a little lobstery. <laughs> yeah, it kind of has a. It, it does have like a Yorgos Lanthimos. Like it does, doesn't. It's not that dark. This uh-huh. is much more playful. It's almost like the intersection of John Waters and Yorgos Lanthimos. Oh wow! But with absolutely no sexuality at all. <laughs> um, this is like a very like not sexy movie. This is all about the um, all about the cerebral. Mm. Yeah, but that sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I really love how I, it didn't make me feel on edge because it's funny, but I just was like, what's going to happen next? Like this, I felt like I could not, so that this is, uh, I'm going to let this take me into my third reason, which I had no fucking clue where this movie was going. And that was <laughs> such an exciting feeling. I live for that feeling. Mm. Um you know, there's movies that you can figure out as you're watching them, and it doesn't make me necessarily not like them, unless it's, you know, really bad the entire time. Oh, sure. But there's some films, you know, there's a feeling of like, yeah, that's pretty much what I figured, and like, but there are other things about it that you like. Um, yeah. What really just got me fucking revved up about this, and when it was over, I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I had no, every fucking step of the way, I'd be like, well, maybe this will happen. And then it was like, nope. There's like <laughs> a long scene on a, a park bench that you really couldn't have anticipated. <laughs> um, and I just think that's, even though he's inspired all these films and I could see these films I loved in his work, mm. it was still such a singular story that, um, doesn't exist anywhere else. And I think that's pretty cool that you can inspire so much while still have such a unique voice that people can't actually copy it. You know oh, what I absolutely. mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, that's going to take me into uh, a point that isn't 100% my point. So this is my fourth reason. Um, so after I watched it, I had to call my friend Isabel to be like, you, you did it. You convinced me. So she, she sort of owns the, you need to do this. <laughs> you convinced me. I watched it. I love it. Let's talk about it. And it's, she said, this is a movie she saw as like a y- young person, like 19 or 20, which would be such a cool time to see this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's been thinking about it for like, you know, 15 plus years and, she brought up this really incredible point. And when she said it, I got really obsessed with it. And so I'm using it (laughs) as my fourth point, but I want to attribute it to her, which is that, um, yeah, 
I didn't know this, but Hal Hartley is really inspired by the absurdists and existentialism and like Samuel Beckett, who is uh, one of my favorite playwrights. And I was, mm-hmm. did not even think about that as I was watching it, but um, it is, it feels so much like a Beckett play. And there's even these um, moments where I was talking about this park bench scene. It's a bench outside of a convenience store. Um, where these two people are having a conversation, but they're not, they're overlapping. Like one person is talking about one thing and every break of conversation, the person next to them is talking about another, um, which is like this absurdist quality of writing is that we're sharing the same space, but we're having two different kind of conversations that play off of each other, sort of like a dance, you know? That honestly sounds like, it honestly sounds like an improv exercise I've done a couple times. <laughs> yes. Okay. It does have a lot of like the, I know like, you know, some people maybe outside of the art here improv, <laughs> they're like, yikes, that means it's not good. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this is the best, this feels very improvised in a lot of ways. And this is mm-hmm. like the best version of an improv scene. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like think of like the greatest like UCB actors that you've seen perform and like it Mm -hmm. really has that feel to it. Like the most Um, subtlety and the most sort of like living in that moment. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, And it feels a lot like Beckett's play Waiting for Godot. Um, Mm. And if there's any fans of uh, that out there, I think they'll really appreciate trust as well. Um, So that is uh, my fourth point. And then my fifth point is that is that there's something about this that uh, it's sort of like a, I'm trying to think of how to say it. It's like a warning slash something to think about. And I do think it's a reason people need to see it. So I watched it with Isaac, who is loves movies, but it did not grow up watching films with his family. It's more of a music family. Mm-hmm. And so he has a blind spot around a lot of these like, uh, like 90s American indies, like he just never saw them. Oh, um, gotcha. Yeah, and so I've kind of been doing like a let's work backwards. Even mm-hmm. Cler- like he never saw Clerks. I made him watch that with me last year in the beginning of the pandemic. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was a really great feeling. It was basically me just like laughing really hard and staring at his face to see if he was also laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. And I'm like, isn't that oh. funny? It's so good to do that with a comedy where you're like, I can see if this is working or not. And it yeah. has a higher chance because it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he was like, oh, salsa shark, you do that a lot. And I'm like, I know, that's where it comes from. <laughs> oh, nice. I was like, I never said I made salsa shark up. Um. Oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I was talking to somebody the other day and – they, I think they were, they, I think it was in a writing group and they introduced something that reminded me a lot of the guy who uh, was like, don't smoke cigarettes, buy this gum. And I was like, <laughs> you, was that, yeah, I was like, was that an homage to that? And they're like, I've never seen Clerks. And I was like, oh my God, see this movie and then write your thing. <laughs> um, this is maybe a incendiary point, but like, I don't think anybody should be a writer who hasn't seen Clerks. Oh, I like that a lot. I'm on board very much. <laughs> like, it's fine. And I would maybe even say Mallrats, but I would even say if you haven't seen Mallrats, fine. But if you haven't yeah. seen Clerks, like, you shouldn't get to pick up a pen and write like a screenplay or a sketch or like, <laughs> it's a master 
it's a master script. It's an incredible comedy. Like I, I just, again, I feel like that's a comedy that has inspired so much. And like Mm -hmm. without it, like the world doesn't make sense. Oh, that's a very good way of putting it. Um, (laughs) so it's again, really interesting. I think you'll really enjoy watching trust because it feels like, um, like the mom of clerks and together I feel like it makes clerks even better. If that makes sense. Um, anyways, I know, is this an episode for clerks or for trust? Um, (laughs) sorry that I love it so much. I make never apologize, but it's a perfect comedy. It's so fucking good. It's so fucking good. Um, so to go back to watching this with, uh, also Isaac's younger, he's in his late twenties. So he missed a lot of, since he was born in 1992, he missed a lot of those indie nineties things because by the time he started watching quirky stuff, it was like little miss sunshine and garden state, you know, it was like the, the (sighs) quote unquote indies of the two thousands. I just thought of a terrible idea. Uh, we need to do a, a, a new a reboot of Clerks and call it Quirks. No. <laughs> and it's the quirky version and they're just being adorable and wearing scarves in the movies in the video store. <laughs> oh my god. And they're just like, "Wow, is this vintage?" Like they're just <laughs> they're annoying. Like the customers actually hate the Clerks. It's like yeah. on the customer's standpoint. I'm, I'm not <laughs> even supposed to be I'm not even supposed to be here today or my ukulele. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, I'm supposed to be in yoga right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, quirks. Maybe a what sketch. A Maybe a That's sketch. A perfect, a that, would be a, that, would, that would be a perfect sketch for like 10 years ago or maybe maybe seven or so. Yeah, we're definitely out of time with that one. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so watching it with a person who is not familiar with growing up in the 90s, um, it was difficult because the main character, Martin Donovan's character, is like the epitome of grouchy, smart, like boy who's misunderstood. Again, mm. somebody that we grew up seeing for the next 20 years in films yep. and who like became a character that I feel like young women our age were obsessed with and young men were like yeah that's me i only read books i don't watch tv yeah it's it's, anybody who doesn't uh ascribe to to like uh to the you know traditional masculinity stuff and is like i'm not gonna go like beat people up and play football oh what about reading and being a dick i could do both of those yes so that's sort of his character which is really interesting because i was like this was so fresh in Mm. 1989 1990 but like it's hard so watching it now isaac's like this guy's an asshole who gives a shit about him and i'm like well yeah we've moved past this Mm. character we don't need this character anymore so it's interesting because it's a trope now, but this is like the birth of a trope. So oh, you have yeah. to watch it with this um, this viewpoint of 1990. And if you are a elder millennial or a Gen Xer, like these people are so Gen X. And that's what I grew up emulating mm-hmm. and like loving and like caring about. Like all of our media was like Gen X. But it's, so it's interesting watching with like a younger millennial who's all of their 
media did not have that like ugh, cynical, of course. you know, like they yeah. didn't have Daria. Like I just can't imagine. <laughs> I'm very, I'm, it's so sad that Gen X stuff disappeared so quickly. It feels like the, the, uh, you know, the ironic uh, disengagement in various well, ways. And I would just- argue it had to, because with the, I think the voting in George W. Bush like quashed it because mm. at that point you could no longer be absent from politics or, you know, cynical because it's like, you need to engage with the world because we're in this, like, we have somebody committing like, horrifying war crimes in front of us, you know? Right. So I think it immediately engaged like younger Gen Xers and old, and millennials to be like, oh, I give a shit about the world because this is really dangerous. We're seeing a lot of like bigotry and a lot of people dying mm. for no reason. So I think it had to happen. Um, it's just a shame because I love so much of the art from that period. That's good. That gives me a very specific person to blame for it, which is great because I already am not a fan. Yeah. So yeah, that's <laughs> and great. You can blame George <laughs> W. Bush for the murder of Gen X content. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Yeah, I am very, I'm very upset. I'm very upset at George. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I just want to do a little a little wrap up. So yeah, fifth reason. If you love Gen X stuff and you're like, oh, I've already seen reality bites and I've already seen mm. uh Daria and you know, that's the MTV generation. Yeah. And like Ben Stiller, ben Stiller show yes, stuff even. Mr. All that show, stuff. Like, um, mm. all of that, like, this is the birth of that. Like you, if you're sleeping on early Hal Hartley, then you need to see trust. And then I would say the unbelievable truth that he made before that, uh, and get the, get your Gen X yayas out. Um, Important. so I just want to do a little wrap up honorable mention and say that I really love this movie because it is it really challenges the idea that like you can save yourself in love or that like love or another person is going to is going to be your is going to change your whole life and right really challenges like the conception of like what type of relationships straight men and women can have with each other and like can you grow from intense friendships does everything have to be romantic what does the family unit look like which obviously we're past that in a lot of ways uh but in other ways I think you know parts of the country and the world are still struggling with that cis het like man, woman, get married, have kids idea. So there's so much of this that I think is really evergreen outside of some of the Gen X quirks. Nice. Yeah. So that is my plea for you to watch trust. What do you think? Would you watch it? I think I would absolutely watch it. This very much sounds like an awesome movie that I would like a lot. Yay! Super down. Yeah, absolutely. Also, fun to see Pastor Skip young. That's a cool thing. He's so thing. young, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it. Just tonally sounds absolutely like my kind of movie, uh, and the type that one that one doesn't see very often anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's it's nice to find. There's no movie uh, like ones this. that I missed from that. Period. Yeah, there's nothing like this. Oh, I like like that. I was like, oh my god, I I miss this. It start. I love the opening line is hilarious. Like as soon as it starts, I was hooked because I was like, this is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's good. I do love a good opener. Yeah. So I can't wait to hear what you think of it then. Hooray. 
Um, well, uh, if you guys are interested in watching Trust, you can rent it from iTunes and you could even buy, there's like a brand new Blu-ray set that just came out of it. And uh, if you live in LA, come to Video Tech where I work. We have a whole Hal Hartley section all on Blu-ray and DVD that you can rent. Um, yeah. So Cozy, what have you watched this week that you want to recommend? Um, nothing. I have nothing I want to, I, that I've watched that I want to recommend. I've been watching a bunch of stand-up specials on Netflix that are fine. <laughs> um, but I'm not like running around being like, Hey, remember Patton Oswalt's thing from a bunch of years ago? It was cool. It, you know, parts were good and parts, you know, age so, so I mean, no, I um, still love the bowls. KFC bowls was like one of my favorite. Oh yeah. The bowl, the bowl thing was super oh, fun. Yeah. I, it was nice to see him. It was nice to see him talking about his wife because I hadn't seen that before in a stand-up setting. So that was really cool. Oh. Um, but no, what I'm here to recommend today is in, something entirely different. Yeah. Okay, uh, lay it on me. Uh, so I did my first white elephant, my first real white elephant gift exchange uh, in December, and that was the only gift that I sent because I'm a monster. <laughs> but also, uh, one of, it was a great gift that I received. And that was a Sterno s'mores maker. Oh, cool! And, uh, <laughs> yeah, from from uh, a friend uh, a friend of ours, Charlie Mihelic, <gasps> and uh, I. So I got it in the mail, and I got to make s'mores with a person uh, who is very wonderful. And it's it was really really That's fun. So, cute. so I recommend getting you a s'mores oh, maker. Charlie, I love Charlie. What a great gift! Right. Yeah, it was it was a perfect thing to win in that. I had to do a steal in the white elephant, and uh, I felt like I came out on top. That's amazing. <laughs> well, send me a link to it, and we will put that in our show notes so that all y'all can get s'mores too. Oh, hell yeah. Great move. Uh, well, what I watched that I want to recommend is after we watched Trust, and Isaac's favorite part was Adrian Shelley and Adrian Shelley's you know, main character, and I was like, listen, this is great, but if you want pure unfiltered Adrian Shelley, you have to watch Waitress. So that's what I'm going to recommend to all of our listeners as well. Waitress starring Carrie Russell from 2007. It was uh, Adrian Shelley's last film. She wrote, directed, and co-starred in it uh, alongside oh. Cheryl Hind and Andy Griffith and Jeremy Sisto. So the cast is just like mm-hmm. fucking incredible. It's my favorite cast. And I saw that movie in the theater when it came out when I was living in Ann Arbor and I was so obsessed with it. I was so excited to go see like, oh, I love this director. I can't wait to see what else she made. And that's when I discovered that she had been killed before it got released. So I was just oh, been, yeah. like oh. devastated and just ever since then learning about her work and watching her work and just like falling in love with her. So if you haven't seen Waitress and you want Adrian Shelley, you have to see Waitress. It's so charming. It's really fun. Also... Oh, yeah. Also, for people who haven't seen it and don't know its deal, the reason I saw it originally was Nathan Fillion. Yes, from uh, everything, from every TV show ever. From everything. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, wonder what this waitress movie is. Uh, This guy is very charming and funny. Okay. And then I was like, oh, this movie's awesome. I forgot that Nathan Fillion was, yes, exactly. Well, this movie has a very, uh, kind of a similar takeaway as Trust of like, hey, you don't need uh, romantic love to live a full, uh, productive interesting life um absolutely yeah so great cozy and i both recommend waitress then 
Um, <laughs> great. Well, you guys, if you have seen Trust or Waitress or you like s'mores, let us know. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Need to See Pod. And if you rate, review, and subscribe us, um, you know, give us that five star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the air and it'll help other people find us. So it's a free, easy thing you can do to support the podcast. So uh, thanks so much to our sound engineer, uh, Pete Burns, our editor. And thank you, listener, for tuning into another episode of You Need to See This. We've been working.